If you're wondering how to start developing your brand as a business owner, our guest, Jason Sircone, has the answers you need. In today's episode, we will dive into the best way to attract clients, increase profits, and take your brand from unknown to undeniable. Jason is a personal brand architect, podcast guesting strategist, author and voiceover talent, and experienced podcaster. He helps value-driven coaches and consultants establish authority status and become thought leaders by leveraging the podcast medium effectively. He is also the voice of Evolution of Brand, a podcast featuring authentic entrepreneurs and professionals sharing brand-building strategies to help you succeed in your professional pursuits. And he is also contributing author to the best-selling, best-selling Podmatch guest mastery book. Follow our show and bookmark our podcast so you don't miss out on our fantastic Matrix mentors. It's fantastic to meet you, Jason. Can you tell us about your mission and your passion? Likewise, Samantha. Thank you very much for having me here. My mission is to help coaches and consultants take their brands to the next level. And the vehicle in which we do that is podcast guesting. There is so much to be accomplished through this program and through this platform, I should say, if you are doing things the right way. And just like anything in life, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And I pride myself in helping people understand the best ways to maximize their time as a podcast guest so they can become the brand leader and the thought leader in their space that people turn to so they become well experts is one way to look at it but thought leadership for me is really where it's at and helping coaches and consultants realize that they have a great story to tell and giving them a platform to tell that story is really where it's at for me i noticed that you mentioned being a guest on podcasts can substantially grow your brand can you tell us how absolutely i think that one of the big things to remember is that as a podcast guest, you're not just showing up to interviews to talk a little bit, do some slick sales, maybe close some members in the audience. Like That's not the only objective that you want to achieve. That's one part of it, but there's also a way to do that. So being a slick salesperson really doesn't come into play. You want to be rooted in value. And that's where it starts because you need to position yourself as an asset to the podcasters. They are looking to create content that they can put into the world and grow their audience. And they have their own objectives too. So what needs to happen is hosting guests need to come together with a mutual respect for what each wants to achieve. And when you do that, you can have this chemistry that allows you to create content that every everyone listening is going to want to sink their teeth into. That's how everybody wins. So if you come to a podcast as a guest and your only mindset is to sell, I have to close a sale today. You're not going to win. It's just not going to work. More than likely, what's going to happen is the guest who put their faith in you saw what you do, thought you'd be a great resource. You, they bring you on the show and you just turn into a salesperson. They're going to be very angry. They're probably not going to even publish your episode. So it's just a waste of time for everybody. So rooting everything you do in value and Treating the guesting experience as an opportunity to build relationships, that's how you can grow your brand. Because if you show up to a podcast with value in mind, you're there to serve, you're there to create the best experience for 
the, the host and for all the listeners once the show goes live, that's going to tell the host that you're invested in their process, you respect what they're trying to do. They're going to be more likely to sell you to their audience and say, you need to go check out what this person's doing. Pick up their book, grab their course, listen to their podcast. You can't create that type of relationship if you don't respect what the other person is trying to accomplish. So there's a process that's built into doing this right. As I had mentioned, there's a right way to do this and a wrong way to do it. And if you don't have value in mind and you're not showing up to serve, you really can't gain any traction. And that's why a lot of people fall short as podcast guests. Thank you so much. And I could see that with sales too, even in-person sales. I noticed that if you ask questions to the client and you inquire and you build a relationship, then you'll know exactly how to fill their needs as a man or a woman of service in the sales industry. But as soon as we start seeing them as a customer, a sale commission, it, they, could, they could feel it and it turns them off. Oh, 100%. It dehumanizes the whole experience. You start looking at everything transactionally, you're by default pulling value from the whole situation. And there's a lot of scenarios where if you don't close a sale or if you don't prove that you're going to buy from that salesperson, they just start to ignore you. And it's because all you are is a number to them. Succeeding in the podcast space, it can't be about numbers in a lot of respects. Download numbers are a big plague in this industry and for hosts and for guests. And we can talk about that if you'd like. But ultimately, if you're not thinking about the big picture and that big picture is creating compelling content and working together to make that happen, then more than likely you won't succeed. And you, you have to put your mind and you have to put yourself in the shoes of a podcast consumer, just like anything else. When you're consuming television, movies, books, if that content is not compelling, if it doesn't engage you, if it doesn't make you feel a certain level of emotional investment, more than likely you're going to walk away from it. A bad movie, you're going to walk out. Horrible show on Netflix, you're going to tell your friend, what the hell were you doing recommending this to me? That show is terrible. You have to think about that as from the podcast side as well. People tune into podcasts to get educated, to be entertained, to maybe escape their world for a few minutes. And if they see a subject and a, a podcast title that jumps out at them, they may say, all right, I'm going to give this show a chance and see what it's all about. And then if they start listening and you don't deliver, they're out. They're out. They're going to go find something else to listen to because your show is not the only one in town. So the host and the guests have to be thinking that way. And when they do, it's not hard to think that way. It's all about value. But when they come together, knowing that each has an objective to obtain, we're going to work together to make sure all those objectives are met. You can really gain a lot of traction and really put yourself on the map. That's how your brand grows. That's how people start to look at you differently, because they see you as a person that's all about value and being an asset versus just being a salesperson that's looking at them as a number. Thank you, Jason. I, I could relate to what you're saying. If Let's say one of our Matrix me members never thought in, to consider being a podcast guest, but now they're interested. How can they conduct their market research to find out what information their audience is, is interested in? 
Well, I think the biggest thing to do first is identify your why, which is more than likely what someone would do when they build their brand. That's usually the first question you need to ask yourself. Why am I doing this? What am I going to build? Why, why is it going to change the world? And that can translate to how you market and promote that business as well. So if you're looking to bring your content strategy to the podcasting space, you're going to ask yourself a lot of the same questions. Why do I want to be a podcast guest? What am I looking to achieve? Do I want to 10x my revenue? Do I want to create referral partners? Do I just want to build some awareness around my brand? You have to answer these questions on the front end. And then once you do, you can look at what you do on a daily basis. Think about your ideal target customer, your avatar, if you will. And those are the people that you're going to want to find in the podcast space. So you have to start thinking about what shows would my ideal customers be listening to? Would they, If you're in finance, would it be strictly financial-based podcasts? Or maybe they're listening to self-improvement podcasts. Maybe they're listening to some marketing podcasts. Okay, let's find some good marketing podcasts. And that can be accomplished by using a service like Podmatch, which is a service that brought you and I together. You can use Google, you can use Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can do a number of different searches to find these specific shows. Ask your friends, ask your colleagues. Again, a number of ways to do this. Once you identify some shows where you could make some appearances, then you actually have to take some time to listen to the content. Make sure it resonates. Make sure that the content is built towards your expertise and the people that they're featuring are singing a similar tune. because. If this podcaster is taking time to feature this person because of their expertise and you're in the same arena, more than likely, they're going to want to collaborate with you as well to create similar content. The podcasts that are very niche down and, and, and focused on a specific subject are the ones that can gain some serious traction. Pat Flynn, one of the great podcasters of the world, says there's riches in the niches. And if you do this properly, yes, you're going to experience some of that in a lot of different ways, not just from a monetary standpoint. But you have to find shows that align with your mission, your message, and your objective. When you make those types of connections, it's going to make it much easier when you reach out because there'll be some research done. You'll know you align. And when the host sees what you're reaching out with and sees your resume, it's going to make much more sense for them to say yes. And I can tell you, and Samantha, I'm sure you can attest, as a podcaster, you get inundated with one pitch after the next, one presentation after the next. Some of them are great. Some of them aren't even close. They're 10 miles removed from the reservation. And that's because some people will just spray and pray, throw mm -hmm. their presentation at any podcast within a 20,000-mile radius, hope a few people say yes, and then when they go on that show, their message really doesn't hit home and it doesn't work. And then they say podcast guesting is a flawed strategy. And I always say, you got to take it back to zero. You have to look at what you want to achieve, then find the right shows, and then reach out in a way that sets you up to be that asset that the podcaster needs to grow their content and make it useful for their audience. Absolutely. And you're right, like a few instances I've seen this happened was when I noticed there wasn't a clear call to action at the end of the presentation. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the big flaws. And 
we'll get to this at some point, I'm sure. Actually, we can cover this main part now. I think when the call to action comes up at the end, a lot of guests will just start firing off every social media network that they're a part of and their website, their blog, their old website. It's, it's very undefined. And you have to think again, again, think like the listener. They might be listening to this podcast in the car, at the gym, on a walk. That's the beauty of podcasting. It's very passive. It gives you an extended period of time in someone's ear, and they could be doing a number of different things and still have their attention on what you're saying and, 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 and the expertise that you're dropping. But when it comes to that call to action, you have to make it as easy as possible for people. So send them to your website. Send them to where you control the narrative. You can have a landing page on your website that introduces them to a free ebook or a mini masterclass or something that gives them some continued value, gives them more insight into what you do. Because if they were loving what you had to say on the podcast, the next step naturally is to find out what more can I get from this person? How can I learn more about the subject that I was just blown away by? So if they land on your website and you have continued value right there for them to take advantage of, more than likely they're going to take that next step. But if you're sending them off to random social media networks, that paralysis by analysis sets in, they're most likely not going to follow any of it. And then they just move on to their next podcast. So yeah, that call to action is absolutely huge and it needs to be defined crystal clear and as easy as possible for the listener to follow. Thank you so much, Jason. Your advice is so applicable and I'm looking forward to even adding it to my repertoire. I, that is a free tip. Please add away. I, I, I really wish that most people, that more people would do this. Cause again, when I listen to podcasts and I hear this, it tells me that they're just not trained. They're not thinking about this the right way. And th th that's okay. That's why I'm here. I'm happy to speak to anybody about how to make this work for them. But yeah, that's something that it's going to bring you much more in regards to results. And to speak to that too, I don't advise this. But there are ways that if, if you're not doing something, let's say email, and you, if you're using an opt-in on your page, maybe that's not the best strategy. But if you're always on LinkedIn and you tell them, listen, come over to LinkedIn, join me there, maybe shoot me a message, tell me what podcast you heard me on, we can start a conversation there. That's one way that you can do it. But I always advise starting with your website. Because your website gives you a lot more opportunities to control the narrative and continue to get the look like if you land when you land on my website after listening to our conversation today, I have a lot of free resources that you can take advantage of. And if you want to talk to me more, you can set up a call to do so. I have a little bit of control over that versus if you go to Instagram, You're more than welcome to do that. But I don't have as much control there. And Instagram could be gone before this podcast comes out. I doubt that, but it could. Yeah, and I noticed that there's just so much going on on social media, too, that we might have an intention, but we might get distracted and forget about it. Absolutely. And I mean, on a more serious note, they change things all the time. They're, they're, they're turning dials. They're, they're figuring out how to make the algorithm perfect for their benefit. And that's their game. That's completely fine. I think we've all grown quite accustomed to playing that game along with them, whether we like it or not. But I would still rather have someone find me where I can give them the most value. And if you're doing things right, that's typically going to be from your website. And then from there, they can choose their own adventure. 
whether it's to listen to your podcast, whether it's to find you on their favorite social media platform. As long as you have all that information accessible, they can make that decision. But I like to start off with my website and go from there. That's all. That's I can see how that makes sense. I love this advice. Why do professionals in any space need to focus on their authority and elevating their thought leadership status? And I think the number one reason, it's the reason we have to keep front of mind whenever we're developing and growing our brands is the fact that people look at you differently when you're a thought leader. Think about the last time that you had a problem that you needed to solve. You probably consulted the World Wide Web. That's what most of us do. And if it was Google, YouTube, you name it, you were inundated with a flurry of responses. So now you have to sift through what's the best possible route for me to get from point A to point B, find the solution I'm looking for so I can feel this transformation. This could be the smallest of problems. This could be the biggest of problems. We all do it the same way. And as you're going through that information, are you going to put your trust in a person who seems a little shady? maybe a little bit off. They're just not, eh, something's not right here. You just don't have that right feeling. Or you're going to put, or are you going to put your trust in someone that has a line of people thanking them for everything that they did to help them solve the problem you have. That person has a track record. They have built credibility. More than likely, that's who you're going to put your trust in as well, because that's what we do. We seek out thought leaders we seek out people that have built authority in their space. We look to them as a resource and we can put our trust in them because everyone else is telling us, yes, this is where you need to go. You're going to have your problem solved by this person. That's why thought leadership is so important. And it shows that you are a valuable resource that's there to serve. You're not just there to make a quick buck and then pack up shop and run out of town like the circus. You are there to be a resource to your audience through thick and thin. And the more you continue to build on that, the more that thought leadership status continues to grow. And that opens up a world of opportunities for you. They could be speaking opportunities. They could be podcast introductions to the biggest shows. Again, so much can be achieved when you set that up. And that's not even to talk about who you could potentially bring into your world as a client because that's going to end up being a part of it. But once you establish yourself as that thought leader, it makes it much easier for a person to put trust in you and say, here's my money. Thank you. I, I'm willing to pay you to help me solve this problem. You have to get there first. And that's again, if you're, if you're ignoring that aspect, it's very hard to put your brand on the map. And like I said, people will look at you differently once you establish your thought leadership. So across the board, no matter what industry or niche you're existing in today, that's where you have to be putting your mindset. I want to become a thought leader. I want to elevate my authority status. And podcast guesting is a great opportunity to do that because you're creating all of these pieces of content that showcase your expertise and continue to solidify in anybody that finds you their reasoning for believing that you are a resource. Absolutely. And I feel like as a customer too, we wouldn't want to invest on somebody who doesn't have experience. 
So it's awesome. It's I agree, and it's awesome advice to have that track record because we are going to be looking into that as the customer, especially if we're looking for a change. We are we're creatures of habit, but there's a lot of BS out there, and that's what we don't want to fall victim to. And if you've experienced it in the past, now your guards up even more. So you're really going to dig in to what a person has to offer before you actually make a buying decision. That's why reviews and recommendations are so highly trafficked because everybody wants to know what's the experience of everyone else.、Mm-hmm. Now I don't 100% buy into those things because my experience could be completely different from yours in the same restaurant with the same product. But there's still something to be said for if. Ten people in a row have the exact same issue. There might be a trend developing there. So, I know that as as humans, we are constantly going to seek out not just the approval of our peers, but also the recommendations and what they believe is something that's good too. So, having that thought in mind is going to make things not. You know, it's going to make things much more, you know, somewhat more complex. But at the same time, it gives you this great outlet to really let that expertise shine through. And then, as people, more people find you, they're going to make the decision that you are the resource. And then that just continues to compound over time. What are the most important benefits of building your brand in the podcasting space? For me, it's the networking. If you are doing this process properly, you don't just get to speak to the great audience members out there and potentially connect with people that you could welcome into your world and continue to provide value for. You have an opportunity each and every guest appearance you make to collaborate with a like-minded professional, and they may have access to a number of people that could provide good opportunities for you. And this is why I say you have to be setting yourself up as a valuable asset before, during, and after the the interview starts, begins, ends. This is more about building a lucrative relationship. And if you don't respect it to that point, it, it's not that you won't experience some success, but it's not maximizing your time because those relationships—that's what life's all about. And if you can capitalize on the fact that you get to connect with multiple people who share your passions, who want to get to know more about you, you're going to get to know more about them. But you're going to be able to collaborate, create this great piece of content that the world gets to enjoy. But at the same time, you now have started a relationship to where maybe I know a few people who'd be great guests for you, Samantha. I know some people that I could send your way for a number of different things, and then vice versa. We don't know that until we really sit down, talk, and get to know one another. This platform, if you think about it, it's much like what job interviews are. When people sit down, you're interviewing someone to bring onto your team. You're getting to know them. Maybe you wouldn't have that opportunity in a lot of cases to have that conversation and be a part of that world. But podcasting makes it happen because it brings us all to the same level in a lot of ways. So. Let's lift that element away from it, though, and let's just say that as we come together, our goal is to make some magic. We are going to spin some audio gold today, and at the same time, get to know one another. And who knows where that can lead to? Now, does that happen one hundred percent of the time? No, it doesn't. But 
I'm on a mission and I'll do this one podcast at a time if I have to. I want people to understand the power behind the collaborative nature of podcasting and respecting what each side wants to achieve. If the host understands that the guest has an objective, but the guest understands that the host has one too, you can work together to really make things happen. But if one side comes in with nothing but sales in mind, and maybe the host comes to the episode with no preparation, the, the worst thing I've ever heard when I've sat down to talk with a podcaster is they ask me, what do you want to talk about today? Not my show. That's your decision. You're steering this ship. I'm here to help you do it, and I'll be your first mate, but I am ultimately here just to showcase my expertise, but you're guiding this. It's your show to, it's your show to build. So coming into it with some preparation on the host side, value on the guest side, you really can make some magic happen if you do it right. And that's what, like I said, this is what podcasting is going to need to be going forward. If it's not, it will not compel someone to stay tuned in for future episodes. Yeah, especially with how we are instantly gratified with how technology is developing today. I noticed that the client or listener really needs to know exactly what they're arriving to retrieve. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we probably, not even probably, it's absolutely true. Our attention spans are the shortest they've ever been. And we are addicted to three-second content. And fine, that, that, that is what it is, but you have to think of all of your all the elements of your brand in a similar capacity. When people land on your website, they might still be in a TikTok mode and they're only looking for a few seconds. And if you don't hit them with the right messaging that speaks to them, grabs their attention, keeps them in place, they're probably going to bail. They're probably going to move on to something else. So the TikTokification of the world, as Gary Vaynerchuk likes to call it, it's real. And it's something that we all have to be cognizant of. And that's why, like with podcasting, I feel that the fastest, or the fast, the, the, I'm saying this wrong, the quickest you can get your, I'm saying it's still wrong, <laughs> sorry. The quicker you can get your audience to the value of the show, the better it's going to be. Because if you set the table with a great show description, the title grabbed their attention, the cover art grabbed their attention, they like what they see, okay, I'm going to click play, I'm going to listen to this, I'm going to hit download, whatever. If you start off with three minutes of intro music, and then there's like 10 minutes of housekeeping, and then there's a bunch of ads, and then 20 minutes later you get to the interview, more than likely your audience is left. Because you didn't get there quick enough. The faster you can get them to the reason they showed up, the better it's going to be for the retention of them sticking around for the whole episode. I, with my podcast, I like to set the table at least twice in the first two minutes of what they're going to learn. So I open the show with what's what we're talking about. Quick ad. We're into it. I ask the first question to kick things off, and then I lay out what we're going to talk about today. So within the first few minutes of the show, they're being re, it's being reinforced that if you stay till the end, here's what you'll learn today. And it's a longer piece of content. And in order to keep people's butts in the seat, you have to set that table to make sure, okay, I'm going to learn this today. I'm in. I'm invested. And then it's up to you to deliver because if you don't teach them what you said, then they're going to be pissed off and they're going to run away. So it's a process. But if you follow it right, you can really feel some gains and, and see a lot of benefit. That's so true. It's because I, I 
fell in love with the podcast for many reasons before I started one of my own. And I did notice as a consumer, if I were to listen to something and the it was like clickbait, it goes in that folder of junk and like my trust is always is gone forever. Yeah, it's that that first impression analogy is it sang very loudly from the podcast space because there's just there's too many options. There, there's so many shows that people can choose from. And if they're willing to give you an opportunity based on what they need, what they're looking for, what again, whether it's education, entertainment, and escape, if you don't give it to them, they're going to find something that does. It's no different than any other piece of content that we consume. Videos, movies, books, television, we don't consume, or we, if we don't fall in love with what we're consuming, we have no emotional investment and therefore no reason to stick around. And worst of all, no reason to recommend it. That's how you grow. You create recommendable content. You give the listener a reason to tell their friends, their family, their colleagues, you got to listen to this podcast. You got to watch this show. It's awesome. I learned so much. That's how you grow. That's how everything takes off. That's how your brand grows. Make yourself a recommendable brand in the same respect. If you're not thinking on that level, very tough to grow, very tough to get anywhere. Absolutely. How, how does speaking skills developed and utilized on podcasts translate to other areas of life and business? Another phenomenal question. Uh, amazingly, it, it's so, there's something about this platform. For me, this is my pulpit. I love being behind the microphone. But what I've discovered over time is I'm able to take these speaking skills and put them into practice when I'm speaking, maybe in a public speaking engagement. Absolutely when I'm speaking with people one-on-one because you're building confidence in your voice and you're discovering ways to clarify the biggest speaking points in your story and the best way to explain processes and procedures and it's not, it's not that technical here, but once you sit down with a colleague or maybe a potential client, your confidence is higher because you've gotten more comfortable with how to tell your story, how to make a connection, and how to bring all these great points to life. So if you're looking to go beyond just being a podcast guest, and that's something within the system that I built, I know we're not just grooming podcast guests. The podcasts are just vehicles. We are using this as a catalyst to ultimately achieve what they want within their brand. And that could be a number of different things. It's all subjective to that person and what they're building. But the skill set can be used on social media, could translate to videos, could translate to webinars, could translate to the next big presentation in front of 10,000 people. You show up for a podcast with that mindset that thousands and thousands of people are going to be listening to me it becomes a little bit easier to stand in front of an auditorium of 10,000 people and deliver a powerful message because you've honed in the most important points of that message and use that podcast and that microphone in a one-on-one environment. I can't think of a better way to practice telling that story, get better at it, and have it serve you at the same time. On top of that, you'll start having more powerful con- communication with loved ones. My daughter, she's 13, she may hate that I'm a podcaster because there's always follow-up questions. She knows she's not getting away with, but I say, how was school today? And she says, good. 
She knows dad's not done. She knows dad's going to ask two or three additional questions to learn more. Cause I will, it's, and it's not just to pick on her. It's to get her speaking, to get her talking about what happened throughout the day. It's digging deeper. As a podcaster, you need to do that to bring out the best stories from someone. And without fail, as I keep asking questions, more and more excitement comes out and she'll break it. Oh, yeah, me and my friends talked about this or whatever. It just takes a minute. But that's what you develop by being on a podcast. That's what you develop just speaking to other people more and more every day. I, I can't speak highly enough about the skills that you gain just from turning on a microphone and telling your story. It's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. And I feel like when we ask a lot of questions and we answer a lot of questions, it just builds our intelligence and it just makes us so much more articulate to different areas of our brain we never really look at. I not agree more. I will say one of the biggest compliments that I think I've ever received was my dad was telling me that one of his friends had asked what I was doing now. And when he told him, the, the person's response was, well, that doesn't surprise me. He could have a conversation with anybody. And when my dad told me that, I just smiled. I was like, you know what? The more I think about that, I guess that might, I guess that's my superpower. And I've, I've always prided myself on being able to have those types of conversations with anybody. Just put me in a room with somebody. I'll, I'll, I'll get things started somehow. And the fact that it was noticed by someone else made me feel good. And I get to embellish that as a podcast guest. I get to embellish that working with people that are podcast guests and as a podcaster myself allows me the opportunity to ask engaging questions that stimulate powerful conversations. That's beneficial for me because I'm learning every single time. And then my audience gets to benefit because they learn as well. Absolutely. It's so much more magical than we can imagine, especially like when entrepreneurs, I feel like they go through this too. step on the other side. Like as a customer, we look up to entrepreneurs and we're like, wow, they're doing their own thing. They're their own boss. But when we step into that, we see that they have to create a whole ambiance for us to enjoy the service or product that they have. And there's so much more into it than what it looks like on the outside. Highlight real world that we live in. It's good for content, but from the consumer side, you can't be enamored with it. You can't think that everything that went into building that highlight reel is what life, what their life is all about. You know, I've said this analogy on my show a thousand times that I'm a huge football fan and I have been since I was a kid. And even from that age to where I am now in life, as a football fan, I'm not watching games for the touchdown celebration. I'm watching for how is this team that's now pinned back to the one yard line going to get all the way to the other end of the field and score that touchdown. Along that journey, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be some big moments. There's going to be some, ah, almost, but now I'm learning something and I can do better against my defense or against the defense because I just learned one of their tendencies. There's so much packed into that 99-yard drive that we ignore because we see the highlight that shows the touchdown celebration. And when you start thinking on that level of what can be learned during the drive, 
you put yourself so much further ahead. And that's why when I see highlight reels, I'm happy for anybody that's accomplished those types of things. But you also have to think about all of the time that was put into getting to that point. Let's use Joe Rogan as, as in the podcast setting. Everybody talks about the $100 million payday that he got from Spotify. Good for Joe Rogan. But Joe Rogan had a 20-year career, 20-plus year career to get to that point. He started as, and I don't know this timeline exactly, I just know roughly. I mean, he was a stand-up comedian. He still does that. was on television, Fear Factor, news radio. He did MMA. And then he started his podcast, and I believe the podcast was out for probably 10 years before he got that exclusive deal. So it doesn't just happen overnight. They didn't just pick up the phone one day, randomly call a number. It happened to be Joe Rogan. Hey, you're the lucky contestant. Here's $100 million to do a podcast. Absolutely doesn't work that way. He built a reputation and he made himself worth that money. Now, are we all going to experience that in our lives? Probably not. But in our own world and and within our own brands, we can feel that undeniable feeling of success and growth by establishing that thought leadership and putting ourselves in a position to excel and to be a valuable resource to others. And as we've said, the podcast platform is a tremendous conduit to help that happen. Absolutely. I love the analogy with Joe Rogan because it's so true. We have to start with how we're going to show up and not live for the result. Oh, 100%. And that's something that I, I think that has to be your mentality the second your feet hit the floor. It's it's enjoying your process. And that's something that I've built into my podcast guest training is because if you don't think you're going to have fun doing this, you shouldn't do it. And I think a lot of podcasters do fall into that trap because someone's telling them, start a podcast. It's the way to do it. They see a bunch of videos, start podcasting. This is the best way to grow your brand, blah, 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 blah. But they don't stop to think about, well, does this work for me? Am I truly going to love what I'm doing? Is this process going to be worth it so I stay loyal to it and consistently get better? And one of the scariest statistics in the podcast space is the fact that I don't know what the exact number is. This could have changed, but the last time I looked, it was like seven or eight episodes in is when people walk away. They stop podcasting. And I have to think the biggest reason is because instant success didn't fall at their feet. Or they get fixated on download numbers that really mean nothing in the very beginning because you haven't gotten good yet. You have to develop this skill set and you have to consistently put content in front of people and out into the world so people, when they discover it, have something to fall in love with. You're not going to accomplish any of that in a few episodes. So you have to commit to doing this right. And in order to do it right, You have to enjoy yourself. You have to enjoy the process and learn things along the way, accept the fact that you'll probably make a few mistakes. But if you learn from those mistakes, it's probably better that that they happened. I think back on my career in podcasting and when I first got started, I made there's a number of things I did with my first show that I use as an example to anybody I talk to about this is what you don't do. We did no planning. We didn't niche down. We did our first recording from a noisy bar, and then we didn't edit, and then we put it out on the internet. No. Like, I look back, again, 
Was it good because it got me into podcasting? Absolutely. But would I do everything different if I had it to do over? I absolutely would because now I'm eight years into this and a lot more wise. So enjoying the process is an absolute huge element in everything you do, not just podcasting, not just being a podcast guest, but don't get fixated on the wrong things. Don't get fixated on download metrics. Don't get fixated on the fact that you don't have thousands of people beating down your door. Don't get mad that Spotify isn't offering you an an exclusive contract in your first month. Keep focusing on what you can do to get better at what you're doing. And from the guest side, being on shows that are relevant to your space, that's going to keep you engaged in the process. If you start going on shows that don't don't align with what you're doing, it makes it more difficult to stay engaged in the process because you won't be having the right types of conversations. I get to have a conversation like this every day. I'm happy as hell because this is my passion. If I don't get to talk about this, it, it's, it, things feel a little off. And that's how you can disengage. So enjoying the process and understanding that you have to take, take some failures, take some mistakes, but then learn from them and come out a little stronger the next day. That's going to help you win. My, uh, a friend of mine that was a guest on my podcast, his name is Liam Naden. He said, you know, you're successful when you get used to struggling because it's a part of success. It's about sticking to it, being a good problem solver. And once you're so good at solving problems that they don't stress you out like they used to, then you know that you're successful because he said he realized that when you have a high, when you're working towards something and you have a goal of success, there has to be struggle or you're not going to reach it. It's like entropy. We have to apply work to maintain what we want. I could not agree with that more. Honestly, I think of it like this. How can you truly appreciate success if you don't have that struggle and that failure along the way? Because you're not going to know the difference. If everything is unicorns and rainbows as you go through this process, how do you know what success is? Because it all feels the same. It's the old analogy. If you've got 12 guys in the room that are all seven feet tall, you really don't have any giants. They're all seven feet tall. So thinking about it from that mindset could absolutely change your thinking and really make you appreciate all the things that happen along the way. Because when you do struggle, And then you find ways to overcome that struggle and you finally do reach that plateau where you can taste a little bit of success. That is a sweet elixir that you never want to give up. And it's going to make you appreciate it and work harder to stay in that zone versus taking steps backwards. Absolutely. What are some skills that we can work on to be better podcasters I think the art of conversation is probably the biggest thing to think about. And, you know, outside, you know, from the guest side, from the host side, I always recommend listening to other personalities and putting on an analytical cap versus an entertainment cap. And what I mean by that is when you're listening to the news on the radio or watching the news on television or you're listening to a podcast or whatever means of entertainment you're consuming, when you watch how people talk to the camera and communicate with the audience just look at how they're doing it and over that over the time as you as you do that more you'll pick up little tips and tricks and they're focusing on 
speaking to this massive audience through the microphone or through the camera. And you can emulate some of those skills. For me, it's all about conversation. As I said before, I love talking to people and I will have conversations with people that I've never met before. If you're standing in line, it just makes it much more of an enjoyable experience to strike up a conversation. Now, does everybody join in? No, some people will still be cold and they'll just nod and turn away. You can't win everybody over, but if someone starts talking to you back, now you get an opportunity to get to know somebody. And that skill set translates to podcasting perfectly because at the end of the day, this is just a conversation. We're having a, a digital cup of coffee. Most podcasts are done in this format now. Now, do we still have ones that are done in person? Absolutely. But I think the you know, if there's a silver lining to COVID-19, that pandemic made this process much more normalized. And that was a good thing because now our ability to connect with people all over the world is it, it's the greatest it's the greatest thing that could have happened now we're not limited to having people in our time zone or in our city or in our neighborhood now we can branch out globally it's tremendous but the biggest thing i would focus on to keep it super simple have conversations with people have a conversation with the cashier at the grocery store while they're ringing up your groceries you learn a lot you can Again, you can talk about anything, but just speaking, just talking, just flexing your pipes and getting accustomed to talking to strangers, it's going to help you build chemistry quick. I once did door-to-door sales. It was the weirdest three months of my life. But one thing I look back on was the fact that I knew when I knocked on that door, this is a different time. I don't know. It's 2022 as we sit and record. I don't know if you can still do this. Because I don't know if anybody answers the door. This was early 2000s. I knew I had a few seconds that I had to break the ice and get them on my side. Because I'm I'm not in their house, but I'm an intruder on their doorstep. I have to win them over quick. So I would say some of the stupidest things just to get a laugh out of, out of them. And I, I, I'd knock on the door and they'd come and answer. May I help you? Yeah, I'm here to fix your pool. We don't have a pool. Oh, I must have you mistaken with somebody else. But while I'm here... And then I just go, and again, it was just to get them on my side to listen to me because I didn't want the door slammed in my face. Now, again, 100% success rate? Absolutely not. But the point being, I learned how to break the ice in a very quick fashion. And it helps you build chemistry, which you absolutely need to succeed in this space. So start talking to people. Just have some fun with it. And it will translate to podcasting in a big way. Thank you so much, Jason. I feel like I learned so much from your advice and I really look forward to listening again and seeing how I can be more considerate towards my audience. Are you ready? Um, do you have any last words of advice for our audience before we start our rapid fire? Yeah, I, I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity to connect with you. It's been great. And I love getting the opportunity to talk with your audience. What I want to say to them now are two things. First, However you go about your podcast guesting, or even if you are in the arena of wanting to start a podcast, think about consistency. It's all about consistency. You have to show up for your audience week in and week out. Not saying you can't take a break, because we all know we have a life outside of this. But you have to clearly communicate with your audience that you're going to be taking a a little hiatus with your show. We'll be back at this time. And if you say you're going to bring out a new episode on Thursday, do it. Because people will 
fall in love with your podcast over time, and then they'll start working it into their life. So if they're at the gym, in the car, on a walk, and every Thursday they listen to your podcast, if you're not there, they're going to listen to somebody else. And then if you get replaced, hard to get those people back because we only have a certain amount of time in our lives to listen to podcasts. So consistency is huge. And if you're a guest, consistently doing guest appearances on the right shows is going to make you better at your craft. So consistency, big thing. Second of all, Samantha is doing a phenomenal job putting this content together for you. So the least you can do to thank her for that, jump over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for this show and let her know what you think. As a podcaster, I can speak to this in a number of ways, but I will say the two biggest things that we appreciate about a review is A, it helps us get these shows discovered. It helps more great listeners like you find this content. And B, it helps us improve the show and make it better so you keep coming back each and every week. So take a moment to leave a quick review and let Samantha know how she's doing with the show. Thank you so much, Jason. That means so much to me. And I do want to ask you one more question. Can you tell us about the creation of the Podmatch book you created? Absolutely. So Podmatch, for those that don't know, Podmatch is a phenomenal Podmatch or podcasting community. It consists of hosts and guests. It's the easiest way to explain it, and I'll steal the line from its founder, Alex Sanfilippo. It's like Tinder for podcasting. Basically, you're presented with people with profiles. If you're a host that's looking for great guests, you can look at their profile. And if you decide you want them to be on your show, you click that message button and you start a conversation and you work out having them on your show. If you're a guest that's looking for great opportunities to be on a sh- on good shows that are in your wheelhouse, you do it the same way. And you can also decide maybe this person's not the right fit and you, I don't know, swipe left, swipe right, whatever the bad one is, you swipe out. But Podmatch has become one of the most powerful communities in the podcast space and it's growing by leaps and bounds. And the opportunity came up for several of us that have been part of the community to contribute to the podcast, or I'm sorry, the pod match host mastery book and the guest mastery book. And I thought this was a tremendous opportunity to put some of my insights in permanent ink. So when that opportunity came my way, I jumped on it as, as well as many of the folks that what I learned from it was I, many of them I had already communicated with. It was so cool. They had either been on my show, I had been on their show. And then the ones that I hadn't had on my show, I reached out to every one of them and said, we need to talk, we need to connect. And at this point, I've either connected with all of them or they're on my schedule to talk to in the near future. So it's it was an awesome experience. It really allowed me to put my insights into permanent ink, like I said. And it was all coordinated by a gentleman named Mike Capuzzi, who owns a company called Bite Sized Books. Mike helps authors get very short form books. And I actually have an episode of Evolution of Brand, which is my podcast where I talk to Mike all about what he is termed shooks, short books. And having a book out there, it's tremendous. And it's inspired me in 2023 to write my first book, more than likely going to go that route as well. But it made, he made the process incredibly easy, kept us all on task. And at the end of the day, we're all best-selling authors now. And we get to tell the world that, and we get to communicate some phenomenal knowledge. I highly recommend anybody that's looking to be a host or a guest, pick up those books on Amazon today, and you're going to learn a ton because the people that had contributed to those books, they've walked the walk. 
they've got the background. So definitely good resources. And yeah, I had a blast being a part of that project. In the eight years that you've been podcasting, what are some podcasting etiquette that we should practice as creators? Be compelling. And what I mean by that is if you're a creator and you're building a podcast of your own, there are ways that the guests can help with this. And I'll get to that in a second. But the more important part is as the creator, you have to be in this mindset that what you're creating is the greatest podcast in the world. Now, will it ever become that? We'll see. But if you're not aspiring to it, things will fall short. In order to do that, your mindset has to be, I've got this guest in front of me for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever your window is. If I'm not using that time to ask them some compelling questions, get some stories out of them, have an engaging conversation that people can sink their teeth into, I'm not doing my job. If people are going to truly get invested in your podcast and that's what you need to happen for it to grow, because you may have 20 listeners today, but let's say all 20 of them turn around and tell a friend. Now you have 40. Let's say they turn around. Now all 40 of them turn around and tell another friend, 80, and you just keep growing in that capacity. But the content has to be recommendable in order for that to happen. So you have to start thinking on this level when you've got a guest in front of you. What can I do to elicit powerful responses? What can I do to get some great stories out of them? And I can guarantee you the answer to that is to ask deeper level questions. Don't, (coughs) excuse me. Don't just ask the same surface level canned questions that they've been asked a hundred times, because if you do, you're going to get the same surface level canned answers that they've said a hundred times. My favorite thing to hear as a podcast guest is no one's ever asked me that. Let me tell you a good story. I'll use the example I've used a hundred times on podcasts that I've been a guest on. Say you've got an author in front of you. If you just ask them the question, tell me about writing your book, which so many people do ask. It doesn't really elicit something exciting. And more than likely, they've answered that question a hundred times. But if you go a little bit deeper and say something to the effect of, you know, I've talked to a lot of authors over the years, and one thing that is was a common thread is that the creative process can be incredibly frustrating at times. Were you ever at a point when you were writing your book that you just wanted to delete the whole damn thing and start over? And then you just let that hang. And, more than, and I've asked this question of authors before, they all laugh, because they do know that process is frustrating, And I've gotten some powerful stories from that. You have to be compelling. That's how you grow. If people are invested in the content that you're creating, that's the way they're going to get invested. Thank you so much. That is so thought provoking. Are you ready for our rapid fire round? It's okay. Do you ever catch yourself procrastinating? And if you do, how do you navigate through it? uh, I think that's something that happens to every one of us at some point in time. I try to avoid it as much as possible by time blocking. 
a phenomenal book that everyone should read is called The One Thing by Jay Papazan and Gary Keller. It is all about not just time blocking, but it is, it's about time management. It's about finding the one thing that you can do to make everything else easier or unnecessary. That's the running theme of the book. But time blocking allows you to make points in your day to dedicate to your deepest work. And you have to be disciplined because those time blocks are unbreakable appointments. If you move them around and you don't, if you ignore them, well, the process doesn't work. You have to think of it on the level of if somebody on the other side of town said, come sign this contract. I've got $10,000 waiting for it. You're not going to break that appointment. So you have to think of all the appointments because all the appointments you set up in your days, you time block your schedule because that will allow you to get your most important tasks done and keep you focused on things that obviously need done, but things that also don't need done. That you can erase them and remove them from your plate. That can help curtail the procrastination that you may experience. But I'm human. We all experience it from time to time. But time blocking is a great way to combat it. Thank you. Yeah, no, Netflix is... It's one of those, we talked about, I talked about discipline a couple seconds ago. It's things like that when you have them in your house, you have to be disciplined as well to know that you only are giving yourself a certain amount of time to enjoy. And that's okay. You need to have those moments where you unwind and you get lost in a couple episodes of Cobra Kai or a good documentary or whatever else Netflix is serving up to you at that time. But if you do it for hours a day, that's probably going to lead to some issues. So... Hell yeah. Like Benjamin just like <laughs> Thank you so much, Jason. If our uh, Matrix members are interested in learning more from you, where can they find you? Me on my website, jasoncircone.com. As I said, there's a number of different resources there. You can even go to jasoncircone.com slash free gift and get access to my free masterclass, Five Things People Fail to Do Before Becoming a Podcast Guest. Awesome. I've learned so much from speaking with you today, and I'm so grateful for your wisdom. I was happy to provide as much as I could and hope to come back and do it again someday. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. When you when your book comes out in 2023, I would love to talk about it. Oh, I'll be going on the tour big time when it does, so I'll definitely reach out. Join Jason on his website to learn more about how he can help you take your brand from unknown to undeniable. Schedule a free 30-minute discovery session. All feedback is welcome and helps us serve our fellow Matrix members. To stay up to date with our Matrix mentors and what we have in store for you, bookmark our website and subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. It was great to have you with us on the Organic Matrix Show, and we'll be seeing you on the following download.